Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's Wednesday, December 28th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, not a lot going on uh, in this sort of uh, break time between uh, Christmas and New Year's uh, for the Guardians. Uh, no news right now. I think, uh, you know, pretty much good news if we're not hearing about anything crazy with uh, anybody on the current roster. But uh, possibly after the, the new year, after the holidays, we'll, we'll get a little bit more activity uh, as we head towards Guardians Fest uh, in late January, a uh, chance to meet up with the players and, and talk to them. Uh, but for now, no news is good news, uh, you know, status quo. And and we get to talk about, a, 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 you know, maybe a little bit uh, about what the, the season that, that was uh, meant to us and, and what we saw and what we liked there and, and what we're hoping to see next season. That's what we're going to get into today. Yeah, Joe, we, um, you know, Last Sunday, I, I kind of, uh, like you were saying, it's kind of a, if you're a, a Guardians fan, you're sitting there, you know, there's not a whole lot going on. They've made their, you know, what seemed to be their two big moves with, uh, you know, Z- Zanino and uh, uh, Josh Bell. And I, I was just thinking about, well, why not go back and look uh, at the uh, 20 top games, or my, in my opinion, the 20, 20 games that kind of stuck in my mind after such a great season when they won 92 games and I kind of tried to list them Joe and uh you know so I thought we'd go back and kind of just look at uh what were some of our favorite games okay well before we get to that uh, I just want to talk a little bit about uh some news uh throughout the league a couple of items I want to mention briefly and then we'll jump into the uh the, the top 20 games here uh we uh we we noticed that one of the uh Guardians targets uh, at catcher, uh, you know, throughout this, uh, you know, period before the holidays here uh, in Sean Murphy, uh, who ended up going to Atlanta, uh, traded from uh, Oakland to Atlanta. Uh, Sean Murphy, the the Braves announced uh, they had signed him to a six-year, $73 million extension. Uh, apparently, when Sean uh, Murphy landed in Atlanta, uh, he immediately felt pretty comfortable with the organization <laughs> because uh, they opened up their wallets. And 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 you made a good point uh, as we were talking here. Uh, the same thing sort of happened when the A's traded Matt Olson to uh, the the Braves last year. Uh, he immediately signed an extension with them, and and he was under no obligation to do so. 
Yeah, Joe, it's, uh, you know, word of mouth, I'm sure, is, uh, you know, gets around among players. And that's a heck of a recruiting tool, I would think. You know, Atlanta has gone out of their way to sign a lot of young players on their roster. You know, Acuna and all those guys have signed big league deals. The only guy that didn't was, you know, Dansby, uh, you know, the, the shortstop. Uh, you know, they, they apparently didn't want to sign him. But, you know, Sean, Sean Murphy, uh, you know, what's six years, 73 million. Um, and, uh, you know, and the Indians, it would, I mean, the Guardians had that connection. They were in on Olsen. Uh, they were in on uh, uh, Sean Murphy. Uh, you know, they really pursued them as heavily as they could. But, you know, it, it, it just, uh, you know, right now Atlanta has a reputation of locking their locking their young players up, of being able to lock their young players up. And, you know, maybe that's uh, the, the big uh, difference because every, I think all teams would like to sign their, their younger players to extensions and, you know, avoid arbitration, buy a couple of years of free agency. But, uh, you know, you have to have the organization, you have to have the success, you know, the day, you know, the year in and year out success and the uh, the Braves certainly have had that. Uh, according to Jeff Passan, uh, with uh, Sean Murphy's extension, uh, they have control over the following players, uh, Austin Riley through 2033, Michael Harris, the rookie of the year, uh, 2032, Matt Olson through 2030. Uh, now, Sean Murphy and Spencer Strider through 2029. Uh, Ronald Acuna, Vaughn Grissom, their, uh, their young shortstop uh, through 2028. Uh, they've got Ozzie Albies until 2027, Kyle Wright until 26, and Max Fried until 24. Uh, this is a good, young, uh, solid core. And this is why teams like uh, the Mets and, uh, you know, the the Phillies are in this arms race in in the NL East because uh, a team like Atlanta is good and has been consistently good and and they're they're building around this young core of superstars. Uh, it, you just look at those names that I just rattled off. These are some of the best young players in the National League. Yeah, that's a great point, Joe. And it kind of reminds me of you know what Cleveland was able to do in the '90s. You know, at a much Atlanta spent a lot more money than Cleveland did. But, you know, it's the same philosophy. Uh, sign your young players, you know, avoid the, uh, you know, the headaches of arbitration, buy a couple years of free agency, and, uh, you know, you control your payroll. At least, uh, you know, in, in, I don't know if anybody can control their payroll, you know, in, in this day and age, but you have, you know, you know what you're going to, you know, you know, have you have cost certainty from year to year, and the Braves have certainly done that. And like you said, they've avoided, you know, the huge monster contracts that we've seen, you know, Texas give out uh, to DeGrom and, and uh, uh, you know, and, and, and Corey Seager and, and uh, some other players. Uh, speaking of Texas, uh, they did uh, once again open their wallets and they, they got another arm to add to that uh, starting rotation. Uh, Nathan Evaldi, two years, $34 million with the Rangers. Uh, so for as as much as they've they've spent over the last two off seasons uh this is a team that better start winning some games 
Yeah, you, you, definitely. You know, uh, they've got the right manager in there now. They've, you know, they changed, uh, you know, they changed the coaching staff. The, that that owner obviously is in a win-now mode. I mean, he spent a half a billion dollars last year, and he's laid out some long green again this this winter. So, uh, you know, you, you you better win. You better win now, and uh, I don't think you're going to – you're not going to have much of a runway in, in Texas, I think, when, after you spend this much money. Uh, the Carlos Correa saga continues. Uh, we haven't heard much. Uh, because of the holiday over the last couple of days, but uh, word is uh, that they're they're continuing to talk with uh, with the Mets and and the last I had seen that there were other teams that were showing interest if the Mets try to back out of the deal uh, with Correa uh, based on his medicals uh, and, and and you know whatever reports are, are coming back from the doctors. Uh, do you think Carlos Correa plays for the Mets this year? I think they get something done, Joe. It might be at a, at a shorter, uh, you know, shorter term. Maybe not, you know, a twelve year, the twelve year, three hundred fifteen million dollar deal that you know they originally agreed upon. But uh, perhaps it's it's a deal like uh, you know he had with the Twins last year, a three year deal with an opt out after the first or second year. You know, something that you know can protect uh, both the player and the team. Yeah, I think uh, opt-outs are going to be uh, a big part of whatever he signs just based on, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're not the chances of him completing a 10-year deal or a 12-year deal uh, that takes him to age, you know, 38, 39 or older uh, with hardware in his, his foot that's giving him a problem uh, right now. I think uh, th- those chances are pretty slim, so... Uh, we'll see uh, where that ends up, and it's definitely something we'll keep an eye on. All right, let's uh, let's jump into our uh, our focus today, which is uh, your list of the top twenty games. I I really I I didn't have a problem with too many of the uh, the the orders or the numbers that you picked uh, with with some of these games. Uh, I, I think uh, you know at the top uh, it was you know there were some some pretty obvious ones there, uh, and and uh, you know the number one. Uh, being uh, Oscar Gonzalez uh, ending the uh, the uh, wild card series on a, a home run uh, to win the game one nothing, uh, I think that was a, an excellent pick. But uh, let's uh, let's throw it out there for you. Uh, give me just one of the ones that that's a highlight for you that that you just sort of remember and 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 really uh, uh, was was one of your picks for the best games of the year. Yeah, I thought, you know, just getting the season off on, uh, you know, it was such an unexpected season, kind of an out-of-nowhere season. I just thought, you know, uh, uh, Stephen Kwan, a rookie, you know, going five for five against uh, Kansas City on uh, on April 10th, um, you know, just kind of set the tone for the whole season and, and certainly set the tone for a Kwan season, which was, you know, just exceptional. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the legend of Stephen Kwan was sort of uh, starting to be born in in that series because you could you can go back and, and five for five is a number that just sort of jumps off the page at you and and you can repeat and say hey you know he was you know he was on base fifteen times in his first you know three games and uh, all these all these crazy stats that that uh, that sort of series and that weekend produced for him. Uh, but, but that game in particular, you look at it and you go, wow, uh, you know, rookie goes five for five and, 
and, and that was really, I believe that was their first win of the season, correct? Yeah, because what they had scored one run in their first two games, and then they all of a sudden they I think they won that game seventeen to three, and and really kind of set, you know, cut that set the uh, tone for what seventeen rookies making their big league debut, and and Quan was just kind of unstoppable in that series. Ah, but you remember who hit the big uh, who, who hit the big home run in that game? Who delivered the big blow in that game? It was Oscar Mercado hitting the big yes. home run in that game, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so, that's uh, a great point. And Oscar, oh, yeah, yeah. Long, <laughs> long gone. <laughs> I, I wonder how many names we're going to mention here of, of uh, guys who weren't with the roster at the end of the season uh, as highlights in these these uh, these great games that we're talking about here. Uh, for me, I, you know, the, the, game, the, the game that you had at number 19, uh, just right after that, I, I do remember that game uh, covering. It was a a getaway game in a, 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 in a short series in Cincinnati. Uh, Jose Ramirez on April 12th uh, had six uh, season high, six RBIs. And I, I just remember, uh, you know, the, the feeling and the thinking at that time that, that Jose was, you know, off to a hot start. And this was unusual uh, the, the way he was just sort of carrying the offense at that time. Uh, he had what he had a grand slam. I think, I think he had two home runs in that game. Um, but it was a 10-5 win over Cincinnati on April 12th. And, uh, it, it, you know, it was almost like it felt like everything was expected. Like this is Jose Ramirez. The, the deal had been announced at that time and, and uh, uh, everything was to the contract to, to keep him in town. And that was sort of like the beginning of that that great wave of feeling like, hey, this is this is our guy. And 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 they're going to be you know, they're going to have him in this spot doing this kind of thing for for the next several years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I remember watching that game, you know, reading about reading your stories and watching that game on TV and uh, just, uh, you know, just uh, really a great game by uh, Ramirez. It was a tight game. He uh, he hits a slam in the uh, ninth to, uh, you know, help uh, stretch the game and, you know, really put the game away and. Um, just uh, yeah, it would, that that's the feeling I got, Joe. I thought, you know, this guy just signed what a, a seven-year, hundred forty-one million dollar deal. He wants to be here. He's going to be the third baseman, or you know, he's going to be the, kind of the focus of this team for the next, uh, you know, for the rest of his career. And uh, he just uh, instead of uh, you know shrinking from the moment, he rose to the moment, and you know, all through April, I mean, really through the until he hurt his thumb. You know, in June in at Dodger Stadium, uh, he was the man. You know, he was he was headed for an MVP. Uh, you know, may, perhaps an MVP uh, season. All right, let's uh, let's jump around a little bit. I, I want to talk about number fourteen on your list, uh, April twenty third. You want to talk about rising to the occasion? <laughs> uh, uh, center fielder Miles Straw scales the outfield fence at Yankee Stadium in the ninth inning uh, to to sort of sh- uh, face off against the bleacher creatures. After uh, after they went after his boy, after they went after Quan, who had uh, crashed into the wall and, and was sort of recovering there, uh, they 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 threw garbage at him, they threw insults at him, uh, uh, and and afterwards, uh, you know, Straw's Straw's statement is, uh, you know, the the Yankees fans, those guys, the, those those guys are the worst guys in baseball, they're the worst fans in baseball, and everybody knows it, uh, and he didn't back down from it. Uh, 
you know, it didn't help that uh, the results of the, the at the end of the season when uh, when Straw was out there facing the Yankees uh, <laughs> at, at Yankee Stadium uh, in, in the in the postseason. But it really did sort of galvanize the team and galvanize, you know, Straw and, and you know, give him a sort of a spot in that clubhouse where, you know, they sort of looked over and they said, hey, this guy's always got our back. Uh, I think, you know, I talked to the. The, the rest of that road trip, I, I sort of joined up with the team out in Los Angeles uh, after this had happened. And, you know, one of my first questions to uh, uh, the, guy, the guys out there, one of my first questions to Quan was, you know, what's it feel like when you've got straw coming over and, and you know, being willing to, to climb the wall and, and, and fight these guys for you? Uh, and, and Quan said, you know, that's who he is. That's just the, the guy who's he's a great guy in the clubhouse. And, you know, he's always got your back. Yeah, that was uh, that. That I thought that was kind of like a lot of people have said that was a kind of a bonding moment for that team. And uh, you know, I've never we had a great. There was a great AP picture of all these guy, all the players. You know, uh, the Guardians walking back after you know things had calmed down, and it looked like you know it looked like just a lot of uh, like the team had come together, and it was a great picture. You know, there's seven, eight, nine guys coming back that had ran out to you know defend uh, you know Quan and Oscar Mercado and 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 Straw, and uh, like you said, Joe, I think that that brought the team together. I think that helped. Yeah, it looked like the uh, looked like the one scene in Reservoir Dogs, the Quentin Tarantino movie, <laughs> where they're all they're all walking down the street and they're just coming off, and it's just uh, they look like, they look like a, a band of like really bad dudes coming off the field, and uh, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, a lot of a lot of really cool moments, uh, I, I think. Uh, any others really stand out to you as as just sort of uh, big moments in the season? You know, the one I like, Joe, is the game uh, you covered in Minnesota where, uh, you know, where, where Karachek, James Karachek, uh, you know, was uh, kind of uh, singled out uh, by uh, Rocco Baldelli, the Twins manager, you know, for allegedly having, you know, foreign substance in his hair. Oh, and the plate oh. umpire, Ted Barrett, had to come out and give him like a noogie, a, a scalp massage. Oh, you're talking you're talking about James Karinchak's L'Oreal moment, uh, his his <laughs> uh, his shampoo commercial moment. That was, uh, go on, yes, Ted Barrett was, uh, was, was the one who delivered that. Yeah, and had to run his fingers through his hair. I don't know if that was a Samson and Delilah moment. I don't, I'm not sure if he was going to cut his hair off or what but uh, you know thankfully you know the, no no foreign substance was found and karen check was allowed to keep pitching and i think it did rattle him a little bit joe he gave up a two-run homer you know after that but uh you know cleveland hung on and won and after that you know i think uh there was no there, he was not in, there was no other uh inspections by any other managers including uh baldelli we took it all we brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yeah, there were no other inspections by any managers, and uh, there was no doubt after that that the Guardians pretty much owned uh, the Twins for the rest of the season and 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 owned the Central because that was at the end of the uh, you know uh, 
a, a trip where it, it was at the beginning of a, a a stretch where they were playing the Twins, the White Sox, and then the Twins again, and and they pretty much dominated all those games, and they 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 rolled right to the uh, the Central Division title. Uh, you, you play with fire if you're Rocco Baldelli and you do something like that because it can go one of two ways. It can, you know, you can find what you're looking for and then, uh oh, you know, you're, you're, you, you've got some sort of advantage. Or, um, you know, Terry Francona's team can turn around and, you know, start throwing chin music at your, uh, your batters or, or whatever. Uh, I, I don't think that's the, the way Terry operates. I don't think, uh, you know, you weren't going to see something like that right away. But uh, baseball players and, and coaches and teams are known to have long memories. And mm-hmm. uh, there, there there might be some sort of, uh, you know, comeuppance at some point for, for Rocco Baldelli uh, for for even thinking about uh, inspecting James Karinczak uh, anytime in the future. Yeah, everybody has a little black book in uh, in in Major League Baseball. You know, pitchers, managers, like you said, they don't forget the one the one uh, you know the one game, Joe, that kind of jumped out at me. We I think jumped out at everybody was in May 9th in at at uh, Guaranteed Rate Field, where we saw you know the real Josh Naylor kind of come out of his shell. And uh, I, I still, you know, I still get fired up thinking about that game. What he drove in eight runs in his last three at bats, uh, you know, Cleveland comes from like a five to one deficit from, from comes back from a five to one deficit and wins the game of 12 to 11. And uh, just, from that point on, it seemed like they owned the White Sox. But you know, Naylor just you know going you know get getting to home plate, firing his batting helmet down the dugout, you know, like screaming at fans. He was like it was like Hercules Unchained or something. Yeah, I I, I think really you touched on it there, but it was the fans in Chicago that really sort of baited and and taunted him into that, and and. You know, whatever language was used, whatever, you know, words were were exchanged uh, and and the moment just sort of presented itself. And, and we talked to uh, a lot of the players in, in the days and weeks after that game and, and they just repeated the same thing. You know, the moment just never seemed too big for Josh Naylor in that. It, those, those are the situations we all dream about when we're, you know, playing in the backyard or, or at, on the sandlot with our buddies. You know, it's the bottom of the ninth and there's two outs and there's two strikes and the bases are loaded and you need to hit a grand slam to keep your team in the game. And that's exactly what he did. And the fact that he did it against a guy like Liam Hendricks and I'll start, you know, this is Hendricks made a mistake. He left a pitch up over the plate and and Naylor made him pay for it. And then later on in the game, you know, he he does it again. He hits a three run homer that that just sort of says it, 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 it. erased all doubt that that was going to be the the, the result of the game. So uh, just an, an amazing effort by by Josh Naylor. And then he goes and does it again, like within a couple of weeks, he does it to the to the twins. The same thing uh, The he does a walk. He hits a walk off home run against the twins uh, in, in the bottom of the ninth. You know, while you, when you're down by a run. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, this was an opposite field home run at home. Over the you know onto the home run porch, and just you know crushed crushed the twins. They were up six three, you know, and uh, it was another walk off. And 
I love the fact that he comes around third base. Terry Francona is already prepared, slaps the uh, batting helmet on, and, and Naylor's still cocoa butts. It was like Boba Brazil, the old the old wrestler, gave mm-hmm. him a cocoa butt with the batting helmet on. It didn't even it didn't even phase uh, Naylor, but Boy. you know it, it gave it it put a crick in uh, Francona's neck, and I think it broke his glasses. Yeah, uh, you're, you're dipping into the uh, the cultural references bag uh, pretty pretty far back there, uh, Hoinsey, with the, that's, the yeah, that's a Moose Cholock and those boys. Oh, uh, the the wrestling. Re- we're going to get emails about this, uh, asking who these guys are. This is this is fantastic. Uh, you know, just to to sort of uh, wrap up. Obviously, the the walk offs were great, and uh, and all of the um. Uh, the season ending, the, the two Oscar Gonzalez, um, you know, sort of finishes. Those are the ones that made the the list for the, the best games of the year for for MLB Network, where they were ranking their top, uh, you know, finishes. I just like the uh, the the video that we saw uh, that was shot from downtown of the, the sort of the wide shot of Progressive Field when Gonzalez hit the walk off um, single. Uh, against the Yankees and, and just the reaction uh, there that 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 was just such an electric feeling and I, I remember sitting in the press box uh, looking at that and and turning to uh, Mandy Bell uh, from MLB Network and just saying they're going to walk this off and just as he swung and 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 ground the ball through the through the um uh the the middle of the infield uh, I don't think anybody was prepared for the way that uh, the number one game on your list uh, ended. And that was obviously the the Gonzalez uh, solo home run off Corey Kluber. Uh, we were all just sort of exhausted at that point. Everybody was was delirious and and, and bleary eyed. And and uh, Oscar Oscar did it, man. Uh, can we expect this out of him uh, in 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 twenty twenty three? God, Joe, that's that's the great question. And I think he'll get better. You know, Joe, he's going to have a full year up here, hopefully. You know, he comes, I think he's, you know, going into camp, he's the right fielder, and uh, he's certainly going to get, you know, more chances. And, you know, you you look what he did, you know, you know, I, a minor league season is not, a, you know, not the end all and be all of an indicator, you know, of what you're doing in the big leagues, but we've seen this guy has hit 30 home runs before and, uh, you know, lesser competition, but I think this guy... I think he's legit. I think um, I think you know we we have to temper our expectations a, a little bit. I don't think he's going to be a walk off machine like we saw in the postseason, but I think he's got a chance to be you know a, a, a an average an above average outfielder with you know with really really an above average you know ability to drive the ball and drive in runs. All right. Uh, well, let's let's look forward and look ahead to uh, some of these games and some of these matchups that we're uh, we're sort of anticipating and, and wanting to see. I'm 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 excited just about the uh, the opening uh, two series being on the road uh, in Seattle and Oakland. Uh, we're going to see, uh, you know, uh, guys like Julio Rodriguez and and that that Seattle team that was so exciting uh, early in the season. Those two of the two of the best young teams in the American League are going to face off. Uh, in the opener uh, on on March 30th, and that uh, that first four game series out there in Seattle, boy, it, you're gonna feel like uh, uh, you know you're a thousand miles from home for uh, for a month at a time with Seattle to Oakland before an off day, and then and then coming home to Cleveland. Yeah, definitely, Joe. I mean, it's it's a different schedule, as you said. 
you know, they're playing uh, every team in, in the big leagues will play each other at least what two or three times this season. And uh, the uh, the longest trip for the for the Guardians is a seven gamer, but they do four of them. And, uh, you know, that's one of them that start, you know, right out of the gate with uh, Seattle and Oakland. And, and you get Seattle the first week and then Seattle at home the second week. And then you're done seeing the Mariners for the year. Uh, and, and right after that, you get the Yankees at, at home. So the first two series at home are Seattle and then the Yankees. And then you won't see the Yankees after April 12th uh, unless you run into them in the playoffs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's usually uh, I'm sure there's there's some, uh, you know, the front office is not real happy with the scheduling because, you know, the Yankees are always a big draw. You'd like to have them during the summer months when school is out and the kids can go to go to the games and you can pack the ballpark. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do that in April in Cleveland, but uh, that's the way the schedule breaks. And uh, it's it's going to be interesting, Joe. I mean, what? Uh, we we're we're going to see, see some teams that we don't usually see. Miami, Colorado's coming in, you know, in April. Um, then uh, you know, I think they you know they go they play uh, they have a West Coast swing with uh, San Diego and Arizona in June, which is kind of an interesting uh, an interesting uh, you know an interesting stretch of the schedule. Right. Uh, looking forward to May twenty second, uh, first opportunity to get the. White Sox in at Progressive Field. Uh, that series, the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th of May, uh, could include, depending on the rotation, uh, the first opportunity for Mike Clevenger to pitch against his former club uh, in Progressive Field as a member of the White Sox, where uh, he says he wants, he's looking forward to the opportunity to uh, shove it down their throats. So, uh, circle any one of those three games as an opportunity for Clevenger to pitch and something that we will definitely be keeping our eyes on. Uh, also, uh, July uh, 3rd, 4th, and 5th, uh, that's when the Braves come to town and uh, uh, maybe we'll get a chance to see Sean Murphy, uh, the guy that the the catcher that the, the Guardians had wanted to trade for uh, in this offseason. He'll be uh, uh, hit playing for Atlanta with his shiny new six-year contract. Yeah, definitely. We'll get to see, uh, you know, you really get to kind of hone in on him and see, uh, you know, I know we've, you know, we've seen him before with Oakland, but, you know, with the interest uh, Cleveland showed in him, you know, I think he'll be under the microscope a little more. Another interesting, you know, uh, series is going to be uh, Cleveland's trip to uh, City, you know, City Field in in uh, in in New York and, uh, you know, a matchup against uh, Francisco Lindor and the... Uh, <laughs> and the ever-spending uh, New York Mets. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a fun uh, series, I think. Yeah, I think that's in uh, that's in May the nineteenth through the twenty-first. Uh, that you know, the tail end of a, a trip to Chicago. I want to go back to the month of April. I'm looking at the uh, at the schedule, and there's this uh, there's this open gutter that runs through all the Thursdays on uh, on in, in April. It's kind of weird that, you know, they have the same off day every day for the month of April. Uh, every Thursday is an off day in, in April. And uh, if you follow that into June, almost every Thursday or I'm sorry, every almost every Thursday in May is also an off day. So uh, the schedule has its, its its quirks. And then in June, almost every uh, every single Monday in June is an off day. 
Yeah, Joe. I mean, it's kind of like what what they've done it at, at AAA when they're when they play what every series is a six game series, which means mm-hmm. what like at the same day is an off day every every almost throughout the the uh, schedule. You know, so that's, yeah. I I don't know if you can, uh, you know, maybe you can reset your rotation. That gives you a chance, you know, a little more, uh, you know. A, a little more consistency in setting your rotation and, you know, planning off days for guys. Yeah. I, I mean, it, we're going to get to see the same pitchers, I guess, on, on the same days for those, those months, as long as they settle in and uh, it, it, they have a tendency to, to go short with guys and maybe double up and piggyback early uh, before their guys get stretched out. But it seems to have worked over the last couple of years uh, with that strategy because their guys have, have stayed healthy and have stayed fresh at the end of the season. Uh, it, it certainly worked last year where they slow played their starters and and worked them in gradually during the month of April, uh, as long as everybody buys in. So I, it'll be interesting to ask Tito what that, you know, every Thursday being an off day in April, uh, if there's a way that they can, I, I'm sure he's going to say that he's, you know, you try to take a situation and, and make it work to your advantage. That's, that's his, uh, sort of catchphrase as a manager. So we'll uh, we'll see if he's able to do that. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, weather's going to play a part in it. It always does, you know, so there's going to be some delays. But hopefully there isn't as many delays as there were, you know, in, in, in uh, you know, rainouts as there were uh, last season. What, what They played, what, 10 doubleheaders, 11 doubleheaders, whatever it yeah. was. Yeah, so you're saying I shouldn't schedule all of my spa treatments for uh, Thursdays in April. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that, that, that that would be a bad idea. All right. All right, Hoinsey. Uh Let's uh, let's take a minute here. I, I think this might be our uh, our final podcast of uh, 2022, uh, the calendar year. Uh, we'll be back uh, at the beginning of of next week after uh, Ohio State has advanced to the national championship game. Um, uh, you know, I, I it's been a been a great year uh, working with you here on this podcast. A lot of fun talking to you, talking Guardians every day. Uh, but uh, it, we're going to put a bow on the 2022 season and and come back and, and focus on 2023 and and the exciting times that are ahead for this young club that, uh, you know, we think can, can go places. Yeah, well put, Joe. I think, uh, as we've said before, I think uh, Cleveland has assembled – you know, what might be one of the best rosters it's had since the early 1990s. And I'm really anxious to see, uh, you know, what, what this club can do, what what steps they can improve on and, and you know, where they can get better and, and how much further they can advance in the postseason. Uh, to, to quote a line from, uh, from Brad Pitt uh, in, in, in Moneyball, you know, every time we talk, I'm, I'm reinvigorated with the spirit of the game and my love of the game. Uh, uh, Hoinsey, every time I talk to you, it uh, it just gets me excited about uh, watching baseball and covering baseball. So uh, let's uh, let's knock it out of the park in, in 2023, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Good deal, Joe, and uh, Happy New Year to you and your family. Same to you, Paul. 